welcome to Smart Career Planning, a podcast that discusses anything and maybe everything that goes into planning a smart career journey. I'm your host, Helen Chow. This is our seventh episode. Now, before I start talking about our wonderful guest speaker, Alan Bailey, I'd like to share with you two really great news. Number one, I finally launched an interview coaching service that you can find more or learn more about by visiting www interviewrightconsulting.com and the reason I'm really excited about it is many of you have been asking me about it um, a lot of you find out about me on LinkedIn and many people would ask me if I have any formalized services and finally I put it together three packages um, again for more information please to visit my website you can find it under services tab second if you're not at a point where you need an interview coaching service yet. Um, You can also sign up for a free workshop that I'm hosting on Sunday, May 22nd. And again, you can find out or sign up by visiting Interview Right Consulting under Services tab. Now, back to our guest today, Alan Bailey. I'm very excited about him. And this is why. In our last two episodes, we learned from Amanda Walk and Claire Bautista, who are very experienced, incredible in-house recruiters. But Alan, he is actually an agency recruiter. What do I mean by that is, uh, or maybe the main difference between an in-house recruiter and agency recruiter. In-house recruiters, you work for the company. If they have position open, they will actively look online and find the right person for the company. And agency recruiter on the other hand they typically work with a number of a number of companies and for a variety of positions um, so what uh, the experience that Alan brings in to this picture is not only does he work with a variety of positions and clients he also prepares interview prepares candidates before they go into a phone interview or an in-person interview. So today's episode, he will be sharing with us insights as to what hiring managers, aka his clients, look for and how he prepares candidates to do well on an interview. Without further ado, Alan Bailey. Hi, Alan. Hi, Helen. (laughs) I am doing well. Thank you so much for making time to speak with me and also with the audience. Absolutely. Good. So to start off, I would love to maybe learn a little bit more about your experience. So would you mind maybe sharing with the audience about yourself, what do you do, and how did you get to this point in a career? Well, now that's a very interesting question because um, going back in history, I, with my accent, you probably discovered I'm not a native of these here parts of the United States. I'm actually British. And I actually started my own IT consulting company way back in the 1970s. Yes, there are people <laughs> who go back that far. And predominantly set myself up um, straight out of university with an IT consulting business that we expanded across Europe and then to the United States, uh, predominantly providing business intelligence and data warehouse application development expertise to Fortune 50 companies. So it was opening the company in the United States back in 1986 that brought me to the U.S., where I visited uh, the people that I was employing over here. Um, And in 1994, I had the opportunity to visit the staff out here in San Francisco 
And um, I don't know if you've ever been to London, but if you compare the weather in the Bay Area to the weather in London, you'll understand why in 1996 I decided <laughs> to come back to the States and and I never left. So, <laughs> so my background is software engineering. But after 9-11, uh, my consulting company collapsed basically because a lot of our large clients, the Fortune 5 uh, Fortune 50 clients, such as uh, banks, insurance companies, Petrochem, stopped a lot of the business intelligence work and really concentrated only on mission critical applications. So unfortunately, my business folded. And that's what introduced me to what then was, and to a large extent, what I find now to be a, a very badly broken business, and that is the business of recruiting. Um, I was so disenchanted by the process of looking for an IT directorship position, a consulting position, that I decided to start my own staffing firm, as I believed that I could do things better than all the recruiters that I was encountering at the time. So in the course of, I suppose, a year, I designed and built a candidate screening tool, a software as a service product, uh, partnered up with a fellow British guy who was going through the same difficulties uh, getting a job and dealing with recruiters and we started what people now know as neo stuff that unfortunately i think from a timing point of view lasted about three years but as a startup company we were critically dependent on cash flow as most companies are but we didn't have the capacity to survive people who didn't pay so after about three years we thought right we've had fun our wives were telling us we needed to get a real job so we uh, we let neo staff go my partner went off and did his thing, and I, I ended up then transitioning into a full-time recruiting position with uh, a very well-known Fortune 500 recruiting company. And I suppose in the last 12 years, you could say I've been a professional recruiter. So that's how I got there. Good, good, good. Now, for you having such a strong, deep technical background, I'm assuming you recruit for mostly technical positions then or you recruit well, for a variety of roles? That's true. Yeah, you're quite right. Um, you know, having spent 25 years in the software industry as a software engineer and running my own company, uh, basically managing senior technologists, my comfort zone is technology. Having said that, of course, technology has grown rapid pace of growth, a huge diversity of software and hardware, middleware, You've got data analytics, you've got big data now, you've got cloud, you've got all kinds of technologies that weren't around when I was practicing the art of technology. Um, so it, it's, it's difficult to say that you're a, an IT specialist because that's a very broad field. But when it comes to technology, that's, that's my soft spot. But not exclusively. Um, I, I have recruited for sales people, for marketing people. In some cases, I've indulged uh, clients who look for accounting and finance people but for me to sit down and talk head to head with a candidate for an hour long and enjoy it and, and know something about the subject it would be technology mm -hmm. that's to me it's it's fascinating so f for me my background is mostly sales and marketing and i have never been a marketer i've never been um, like an enterprise sales rep or a mid-market sales rep so the only way when i recruit i've personally just surveyed in enough candidates for me to figure out which one is great and which one, uh, you know, may need, need some work. Now, mm -hmm. on your end, you have the practical hands-on experience to define who's a great technologist or who's a great programmer. How, number one, do, do you see 
your own practice influencing how you search for a great director of software development, or does that does that affect it or impact it? Well, yeah, I suppose if you look at my pure recruiting experience of over 12 years where I can say that, you know, 40 hours a week, 50 hours a week, I've devoted to recruiting. Prior to that, I could add another 20 years because, as I'm sure you could see, that as a business owner, I was intimately acquainted with our own recruiting needs. So to some extent, I, I've got a foot in both camps. I've, I've been a hiring manager and, and I've been the recruiter supporting a hiring manager's needs. But over time, no matter the field that you're in, whether you're looking for finance and accounting, whether you're looking for nuclear physicists, software engineers, whatever it is, you you develop your own recruiting and interviewing rhythm and style. Over time, I think you start to learn to trust your instincts more so than you would just looking at the raw technical capabilities of a candidate. Because you, you have to rely on that anyway, because I don't know Java. Mm-hmm. And if I'm sitting talking to a Java engineer, I'm not going to be able to talk to them in the tech speak that I would if I was talking to somebody about SQL Server Database, which is one of my technical specialties. You have to rely on a lot of your experience of just general recruiting techniques, questions, situational questions uh, when you're interviewing a candidate. And you develop... I believe over time, a good recruiter will develop almost an uncanny ability to assess someone's suitability for a job that goes beyond their written resume. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, uh, you know, as far as part of the question you were going to ask was what lesson can an interviewee learn from this? The message that I would have is in partnering with a recruiter, don't pretend to be who you are not. You may be able to get away with talking in technical language that I don't understand for a brief period, and I'll be impressed. But you are ultimately going to get in front of the hiring manager who's going to know what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. So you, know, you have to be honest. Don't pretend with the hiring manager. If they make you an offer and they hire you, they're going to figure out real quickly and the hard way. And mm-hmm. it won't be attractive um, that you've not been honest or you've embellished your skills. And in technology, that's getting easier to do, by the way, because yeah. you know that huge diversity of of skills in the IT world now, it's almost impossible for any recruiter, no matter how experienced, to be able to keep pace with everything. So mm-hmm. you're going to have to, and you do, rely on instinct, uh, your experience, being able to ask the kinds of questions of a candidate, where, yeah, that just doesn't make sense. I asked you, know, so to help the recruiter help you. Actually, that's a line from a movie somewhere, wasn't it? <laughs> that, you know, you work in tandem with the recruiter. You've got to learn to partner with them. Now, for our listeners who do not have the privilege of, you know, interviewing candidates day in and day out, would you mind breaking down, you know, what are some of those subtle traits that jumps out to you as you're speaking with them, what are some of those traits? How do they sound like that you know, makes you question something is wrong? Can you tell us a little bit more about that? That's a very difficult one to quantify because uh, I think a lot of people are afraid to rely on instinct. I mean, not rely on it exclusively, but instinct plays a part. You listen to your inner voice that something doesn't sound right, something doesn't feel right. 
I've read the person's resume. I've spoken to them over the phone, and here they are sitting in front of me, and there's just something missing. Your job as the recruiter is partly to dig in and find out what it is that disquiets you about that candidate. It could be something very subtle. It could be that you've asked them a question, they've answered, but that is completely out of step with what you read on their resume. Mm -hmm. uh, when I interview a candidate, I write notes on the back of their resume. I never look at the resume when I'm interviewing. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to find out things about them that are not on the resume. But after all, I mean, if they've got 15 years of experience, you're not going to squeeze that onto two or three pages. So my job is to dig in. And that's where you can sometimes find some discontinuity between, say, something simple like when they left a job and they joined another job. Now, I remember on their resume, there was a five-month gap. And you're, you're trying to explain it to me, but it just doesn't sound right, doesn't fit. Mm -hmm. That's where a candidate has to develop a good relationship with the recruiter because that degree of honesty is necessary. Mm -hmm. And if the candidate cannot trust the recruiter, the recruiter is not going to be able to advocate for them with the comfort that they need. Mm -hmm. They need, in order for a recruiter to be your advocate and go to the hiring manager and say, this is a person you need to see. Mm -hmm. You've got to trust me on this one because you've built that relationship with your client. You cannot afford to be caught off guard by a candidate who has not been honest. So, and, it's, and it can be small things. Some, the big ones are easy to spot. Mm -hmm. You said you had 12 years experience. I just don't see that. Where is it? I mean, that's obvious. Yeah, it's the it's the subtle stuff that can trip you up, and that actually can be more damaging. That is absolutely true, and I think one thing for for the listeners, what they can walk away with is, you know, honesty is always the remedy, even in the event if you know you do not agree with you do not agree with their previous boss. All it leads to is just a more meaningful conversation in a different. Example, I remember speaking with this one candidate and that person was, you know, sort of boring and sort of dull. She was giving me a lot of one-word answers and she didn't have a lot of questions for me about the role. And then at the end, I asked her, do you have any more questions for me? Um, and that's when she started asking me questions that do not connect with the rest of the, you know, the flow, the general flow of the conversation from a very dull, boring interview. She started asking sophisticated questions, and I find that experience really odd. The conclusion I drew from that experience was, you know, the first part of the interview, that that was her. Those were, you know, her genuine lack of interest in the role. And those questions were Googleable questions that, you know, what the internet tells her to ask uh, at the end of each interview. I, I certainly thought that experience was really strange, and I would never recommend that to any candidate. Well, and that's a fair example. I mean, I've actually had some extreme cases where I've looked at a, a candidate's resume, and I've seen some gaps in their employment. Mm -hmm. and, and you sit down and say, okay, so you left in December. And here you are in August and you're still looking. So, you know, what have you been doing in the last eight months? And they waffle on about this, that, and the rest of it. You say, all right, look, my client's going to ask that question. And you're not going to get more than five seconds of their time to explain why you're eight months into and out of work. Well, the thing is, I had surgery. Thank you. Now, 
you may not want to share that with the client initially, but by working with your recruiter and being candid with them, they can help you prepare for, and we'll come to it later on, I'm sure, preparation for the interview. Mm -hmm. The recruiter can help you address that issue and word it in a careful way. Mm -hmm. So be honest with the recruiter. They are there to help. Don't gloss over things. Be honest. Be candid. That is the best policy. And, and if there is going to be a roadblock, it is up to the recruiter to either get you through it or to explain to you that that is a problem and maybe this isn't the right opportunity for you. But, you know, we'll keep looking. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Now, especially for you being a, an agency recruiter, when it comes to filling a specific position, do you rely on application or you t- do you typically go on LinkedIn and find people? <laughs> Well, my process really is much like anybody's, whether you are an internal corporate recruiter where the hiring manager is just down the corridor and you can walk into their office and talk to them, or whether on the agency side, you're working through a gatekeeper, you know, human resources running interference with you to make sure, you know, we've got the right number of candidates. You're still really starting off by having to properly understand the requirements of the job and not just what's written on the job description, but to try and get as much information as you can from the hiring manager about what they are looking for, because everyone's process is going to start with, who do I know now that may meet this need? That is the fastest way to get a hold of a candidate. Mm -hmm. Your next step then is going to be sitting down and crafting your recruiting campaign and your approaches to sourcing candidates, what methodology you're going to rely on once you get going. So in many ways, the recruiting methodology for an agency is the same as an in-house because at the end of the day, you're still serving the same person, the hiring manager. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't rely on any one approach, but my first port of call is my personal network. And soon after that, I will be posting the job out there on job boards like LinkedIn or Dice or whatever is appropriate. I still do a lot of data mining with uh, platforms like LinkedIn. I'm a strong advocate of the recruiter platform for LinkedIn. Loved it. You've got hundreds of millions of users out there. So you've got Mm -hmm. an enormous amount of data to mine, a huge talent pool there for passive candidates. But what approach you take has to be fine-tuned based on the job description. But as I said, I don't rely on any one particular approach. Uh, I, I craft my campaign according to the needs, but it always includes, first, who do I know? Second, who does my team know? Third, get the job posted because... We may not find that applicant we're looking for who replies, but they may be someone that we want to contact after the event, and they may be good for another opportunity down the line. And then, of course, you have your active recruiting techniques going out, looking for people, competition, you know, your client. One of the questions I ask my clients, who do you typically compete for when you're looking to hire? You know, you're in the banking industry. Are you competing with Bank of America, Wells Fargo? Because those are places we can go to and see if there are passive candidates. Mm-hmm. So all of that is, is, is part of your armory. Uh, no, there's no one magic bullet, that's for sure. Good. Now, when you, reach, when you reach a passive candidate or maybe someone in your network, are there specific traits you look for, um, maybe personalities or experience? Would you mind sharing with the audience that? Well, the difficult part about that is the traits you're looking for are the ones that the hiring manager wants, not mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. As a hiring manager, I have my own set of things that I'm looking for from a candidate, but your job as a recruiter is to understand what your hiring manager needs. 
And sometimes, by the way, you sense with your relationship with the hiring manager things that you know they're going to want from a candidate that the hiring manager doesn't even know because you understand how they think. You understand their, their work habits and what they expect from someone other than the technical skills. So the traits that you look for as a recruiter are driven by your hiring manager. But what I can say is outside of technical strengths, from a personal point of view, mm-hmm. I always want, and I'm sure every hiring manager would agree, honesty, mm-hmm. always and without exception. Other than Christmas and my birthday, I do not like surprises. <laughs> and especially not from a candidate who I'm going to be advocating for. I want them always to be candid with me. We've covered that. But not uh, candidate shouldn't tell you what they think you or the hiring manager wants to hear. Mm-hmm. They should tell you what you need to know. Mm-hmm. And it's all about getting the job. So the traits that I look for are going to be integrity. They are going to be how you carry yourself at, at the interview. I, I'm a stickler for punctuality. If I set a time to talk to a candidate on the phone and I have to call three or four times to get through to them, that's a big turnoff for me. Mm-hmm. If I set an appointment to meet them at a certain place at a certain time for coffee, breakfast, lunch, dinner, wine, movies, whatever it is, and they're late and I don't get some text message or something that says, sorry, running late, can't find a parking. You know, there's legitimate reasons for this. That's a big turnoff. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's not just about the technical skills that you've got and experience. To me, is a lot of the traits are to do with personality. But there are some common things that I think everybody wants. And I'm sure punctuality in the business to, and the ability to dress appropriately are, are two things on everyone's list. You mentioned surprises. Has there been any surprises where you met a candidate, you thought that person was great, exceptional, and you present this person to the hiring manager, even go through an in-person interview, and that's when things had a 180? Can you maybe share with us one of those incidences? It doesn't have to be detailed, like what happened, but you know, what are some of those traits that really turn the hiring manager off? Yeah, something happened recently, actually, recently, as in a few months ago, um, a candidate of mine I represented for a law firm. Dress code was obvious. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they had been to multiple interviews. They were being called back uh, to meet some of the senior partners for an interview. Everything seemed to be going fine. The, the person was technically very, very good, had all the experience, previous law firm experience. It was, in crude terms, the person had a dollar sign nailed to their forehead. This was the person who was going to get the job. And then the client went quiet for two weeks, and that's the kiss of death. Mm. This was a permanent position, not a contract. Mm-hmm. And you push and you prod and you probe and you want feedback, you want feedback, and then they said, we're moving ahead with another candidate. Now, my relationship with the human resources person was good enough that I could actually ask the question, what happened? Well, it turns out that this, one of the senior partners was expecting this individual to have more, quote, energy. Ah. Now, one of the things the hiring manager wanted from this individual was the capacity to remain calm under pressure. Mm -hmm. They were in a very high-profile support position. Mm 